Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel O'Connor. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've bitten a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Wednesday, April 1st edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel here with Joel Conan and Dennis Dick. On today's show, we're going to talk about the volatile after-hours session from yesterday and uh, what Dennis saw and what that potentially bodes for today. Also, a lot of individual news. We talked about Macy's yesterday. They are booted out of the S&P 500. We'll talk about some companies that are uh, lowering or suspending their dividends. Don't forget, we had ADP at 8.15 this morning. Auto sales out throughout the morning. I already saw Hyundai, uh, so keep that on your radar as well. Two guests on the radar for today. Uh, first up at 8.30, we'll be joined by Joe Saluzzi, who's the partner and co-founder at Themis Trading. And then at 8.50, we'll be joined by Lisa Elkanen, MD, a.k.a. Joel's wife. Speaking of Joel, let's bring him on right now. Joel, what's happening here in the pre-market session? Is everyone on their best behavior today? <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. Uh, not a good overnight session, folks. Uh, we had a, a week close yesterday, kind of the antithesis of what everyone was thinking. They were thinking the big fun money was going to come in and buy, buy, buy. And uh, I think it actually turned out to be sell, sell, sell is our redemptions. Uh, probably hitting the books for a lot of these big mutual funds and pension funds. People are being burned again for the third time since 2001. And uh, I think they're pulling money out of the market. I think that what you saw yesterday, uh, we, we had a week close and our opening tick was one tick from the high of the session at 62 and a quarter. We came all the way down to 76 and a quarter, and we're only three handles off that. Uh, what we'll be looking at here on the downside, Monday's Globex low, 24.45, folks, and I didn't even do any numbers below that. So uh, I have to do a little homework after, uh, after the show is over. Crude in a tight range. It's up a penny. Uh, it tried to rally, got to 20.80, back it down to $20, now just hanging out at mid-range. Gold got shellacked yesterday, and then people start thinking it's a flight to quality again. And uh, you popped it up to 16.1240, back under 1600. Now I expect uh, gold to be going red again here soon. Silver, silver sliding as well, down 10.6 cents at 14.05. Bitcoin, it's hanging up, down $135 to 6,340. All right, let's wind up Triple D. Yeah, Come on yeah. in, buddy. Tell us the way it is. Well, trading last night. So I've been, I obviously, I trade the after hour session almost every single night right now from four to eight. So you get a real kind of feel for what's happening. And lately, it's just, you know, last week and a half, we haven't seen any real selling pressure. We've seen some sellers, we've seen some buyers, but nothing just like selling across the board. Last night felt entirely different. I know the S&P futures were only down like 20, 25 handles, but I was like, stocks were getting hammered last night after hours. Like they were hitting stocks down three, 4% last night. And I'm like, the S&P futures are down one. I'm trying to figure out what gives. Anyways, nothing gives because the futures played a serious catch up here this morning and the stocks are obviously still hammered. So you can really get a feel when you trade those sessions and nobody else trades, it really gives you a feel. I really feel like that's why, you know, I'm a better trader. That's why I've gotten to be a better trader is because I trade these hours and nobody else is trading and it really gives you a feel for the market. So I've tweeted it last night about the after hour session, basically saying, uh, I think we could get hammered. Um, is what I was trying to get the feel out there without saying it in those words. And, you know, sure enough, overnight we do. Um, we're getting hit here hard again. Uh, we're down near the lows of the session. There's going to be some, some people who are going to look at this and say, this is my opportunity to buy. This is the big opportunity. And maybe it's the case. And like I said, if you've got some cash, maybe you nibble in. But I feel like this is not going to rally it back here today. I just feel like there's something happening 
I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the turn of the month, but the selling feels more serious, at least even in the pre-market and the after-hours session. Whether that follows through to the regular session, I mean, lots of things can happen. Maybe the Fed fires off a few more bullets or something. But I think this is a, not a dip to be bought. And what I've bought so far, I'll probably hold on to. Like I said, you know, I nibbled into a few positions like Microsoft, Activision, Blizzard, Peloton, stocks that I felt would hold up if we start to roll over again. I mean, PTO ends down five cents today. So that one's holding up well. Um, I wouldn't I be touching the banks. I, I wouldn't be touching that. any of the other stuff. What's I, I that, predicted you dumped that yesterday. I thought, I thought you might have dumped that yesterday. I what, stock, about that. what stock? Peloton? Peloton? Yeah. No, I'm holding on to it. Just, you know, even Kramer said it last night. I mean, I feel like it is a COVID play. I feel like it's eventually going to get bought like a COVID play. Although it was an ugly reversal yesterday and a little double top in there. So that's a little bit of caution, you know, 2867, 2856, and obviously started to roll over with the overall market. But it's holding up here this morning. I mean, the market's hammered and it's holding up. And that's good news for your Peloton shareholders. I think it'll hold up better than the overall market. But financials getting spanked again. The only thing that's not getting hit hard here is oil. Oil is actually trading green. USO is at least green. The oil stocks are still getting hammered a little bit. They're trying to, you know, hold up a little bit better than the overall market because oil is up. But really, it's across the board. Like last night, they were hitting everything. They were hitting food stocks. They were hitting pharma. They were hitting the REITs again. They were hitting tech. They were hitting every single thing they could hit. The only thing green on my screen here right now, and Matt Kolb would be happy about this, is INSG and Seago because they gave it some love on CNBC last night. They brought the, CNBC, they brought the CEO on from Seago, and he says he's seeing increased demand. Um, for their five for the for their for their uh, stuff or whatever um, you know. and they, they also said that they're yeah they're ramping up production this is what they said they're ramping up production for their uh, 4g and 5g uh, mobile hotspots in, in response to record increase of demand for secure uh, home internet access yeah so that made everybody get excited about Insego last night and it blasted off into orbit um Somebody was asking on Insego. I've actually am out of the position. I sold it. Um, I've actually, yeah. So I, so I, so I did sell out of my long-term long. I had it in there for a while. I sold a lot of stocks. I mean, we know I sold a lot of stocks back in January, early February. We started to go down. I kept selling stocks in the rallies. I've sold a lot of stocks. I'm 80% cash in that long-term portfolio. So Insego was one that I sold too. Um, nice pop here. Yeah. Um, it's a CNBC pop. It's a smaller play, so it could follow through. Uh, but uh, let's go back to the overall market, you know, and just what I'm looking at here is I just don't see anything really trading green here today. And that's a concern. You know, we've seen stocks like Walmart hold up, stocks like Target. Those are red here this morning, too. So they're hitting everything this morning. All right. Uh, just real quick on the Insego. Uh, it's 682 is a big level. That's halfway back. The thing got done. 950, 960, then you went down to 391, 50% retracement there. I think it's important to understand. I, I just don't think people are going to be spending money. So I don't know where this 4G, 5G, you know, I guess people are going to keep their cell phones is something they're going to keep. Uh, but as far as like broad based rollouts of new things and everything, like the 5G, I just. I think all that stuff is on hold. I just don't think, you know, I think we just people are going to be tightening up their pocketbook. I don't know if Insego, you know, plays into, um, you know, a lower cost uh, carrier or, you know, better. Uh, well, they've got know, technology, they got technology for 5G. It's a yeah. small 5G play is what it is. Yeah. Matt Kolb's been talking about this one. Props to Matt Kolb. He's talked about this thing. He gave us this, and we've talked about it on the show. He was talking about this thing was a buck fifty-two bucks. I originally bought this thing at a dollar fifty-one. And I sold some at three fifty, and I sold some at five, and then you know, obviously, you know, I, I wish I would have. It went all the way almost to ten bucks. But you know, props to Maddie's was all over this play. Um, it's still a five G play. It's a smaller company. It got some love on CNBC, so you know, maybe you know, people are thinking, make sure oh, this it follows through too now. Make sure it follows through. Make sure it follows through through that pre market high. Uh, which I mentioned. I mean, it, it hit uh, the the initial news took it to seven fifty, and then they took it down a buck. They they took it down a buck and a half to six bucks. 
So, I mean, it's had a good, it's had a good move. If you really want to see this fly, oh, and you got a pair of highs at 752, not 752. Actually, the pair of highs, I see three highs at seven and a quarter, and then 770. That was the end of February. I just, boom, that's big resistance. Let's see if we can plow through and get over eight bucks. I'd lo love to see that for, for shareholders of, uh, of Insego INSG. So, Dennis, you were saying that you're not really sure, you know, what's going on. You just know that they're selling. Uh, and I, it, it all changed last night. The last six, seven after hour session I had traded, I didn't see mass selling across the board. Some stocks get hit, some stocks going up, kind of like a little bit back to normal, which, you know, makes me, you know, made me think like maybe the bottom isn't, you know, get those thought processes. Last night changed everything for me. It makes me think that the bottom is not in. And we are going to eventually test those lows sooner than later, I think. And it, maybe it was the White House comments that spooked well, the that, market. Well, that's, that's what I was going to say. How I much mean, do you think we, is the White House comments? We did have Fauci said these numbers a couple days ago. And then obviously got said on the press conference last night again. I'll let the listeners know, whoever wasn't listening, what was said and what spooked the market. Um, the, uh, Trump, uh, pretty somber yesterday uh, after hours, and the uh, the official estimate from the White House is that uh, the virus could kill 100 to 240,000 Americans, and that those are official. I, they even has into uh, you said they gave those numbers a few, a few days ago. It's true. Oh, she had said, um, yeah, but he's he, he's been hesitant. He's been hesitant to give hard numbers. I yeah. think this might be the first. These might be the first hard numbers we've gotten. It's so a scary number as, because you look as, at the as far world. as estimates. I mean, you look at the world deaths so far, and I think it's forty thousand. So you're like, how in the hell do you get to two hundred thousand? Well, just I, just look just look at the U.S. deaths. U.S. we're at thirty eight hundred deaths right now yeah. in the U.S. So you're, they're so, saying it's going to go up, you know, not even tenfold. They're saying you know twentyfold from here, which it's just the math, right? I mean, they're doing the math, and this is what we've talked about, you know, on the exponential, you know, curve here and trying to flatten the curve. And you know, we and the problem is, which a lot of people are saying is, the curve didn't get flattened quickly enough and people aren't dying on day one people are dying you know you can say oh right now the u.s death rate is one or one and a half percent but people aren't dying on the first day they're diagnosed they're dying like um scott gottlieb said last on cnbc three to six weeks after they're diagnosed so that's why you know i've always argued you know i know nick shaheen's been on here arguing that well we don't know you know we, when you look at the cases there's way more cases out there that we don't know about so when you look at these deaths and you put it over the cases that the death rate's going to end up being a lot less but the other factor that i've been arguing for a long time is that you know it's kind of like they, they're not using the right denominator at all because what i would look at if i was doing the denominator is i would look at the recoveries but they don't talk about the recoveries because people you know if you, you get diagnosed on day one cases then all of a sudden you know it's going to help your numbers as you get these more cases there's only so many deaths because people haven't you know have been sick enough yet to have actually died so they really, in, in my opinion, this was Guggenheim's argument a month and a half ago, and I gave this argument as well. I think the denominator should be looking more at the recoveries and the deaths, put those together, and you know, and then divide the deaths by that. And we do those they numbers. ADP really in scary. a minute. ADP in a minute. So I don't know if you want to go wide there or not. But um, yeah, I can go a little bit wider if we think it's going to. Think it's going to move it. I I I, I don't know. The expectation. <laughs> the, the the estimate is that. Uh, we will have lost 125,000 jobs uh, for m month over month. So we're getting great, great call, Joel. I, I lost track of time. So uh, we're we'll, getting the number We'll keep an here. eye on this. Okay, Anyways, I just don't want you to get picked off. It, it, thank you, Joel. I, the, 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 what I'm trying to just, the point I'm trying to make is that when you're just looking, you know, at the desk and saying there's only 3,500, how are you getting to 200,000? It's because there's so many people that have, we, we're in so many cases. There's going to be millions of cases. And if you just go and take a 1% death rate on a million cases, well, then, you know, you're at, you know, you're at 10,000 deaths. But if you go in and you get 10 million cases, then you're at 100,000 deaths. So they're obviously saying there's going to be a hell of a lot more cases, which there probably already is. Like, don't kid yourself. There's millions of people that got this thing out there already. I mean, All right, so says there is. So ADP is out. I don't know if you saw movement. It's not that bad. Only 27,000 uh, job loss uh, figure versus I mentioned the 150,000 estimates. So not as bad as expected. I don't know if that moved anything for you. Um, but the one thing I wanted to chime in here, Dennis, quickly is so we, we have we have our unofficial range. We have 100,000 to 240,000. And it could be better than that. And it could be worse than that. For sure. 
But what's scary to me is to look at this morning and say, okay, in the U.S., we're at 38, approximately 3,800 deaths. Yeah. I mean, according to their White House's own estimates, best case scenario, we are not even 4% done with this thing. A lot. You, everybody's – at the end of this, everybody's going to know somebody that died of it. That's, that's the sad thing. You know, you're starting to see people, oh, a friend of a friend. You know, maybe if you know you're impacted, maybe it was a cousin, maybe it was a friend of a cousin. You're starting to see or somebody's got it somebody's sick with it like i said i'm hearing about people who have it my one friend from bright trading his cousin's got it i mean you can you're starting to hear about people my uh my, my wife's friend her uh her cousin's got it as well so you're starting to hear people that have it now the good news is you know if it's only a one percent death rate 99 of these people are going to live if it's three percent death rate 97 of these people are going to live but the bulk of the people are going to live but it's still if you end up getting 10 million cases across the u.s which isn't an absurd number and you take 1% of that, you got 100,000 deaths. Yeah, at least we'll talk about this when she comes on. But, you know, she being internal medicine, uh, she's convinced that she saw people in January that had it. Oh, I think know, so. And that, and that, are, that are fine now. So I, I um, think so. I think there's some people that, you know, definitely fended this off. You know, like I said, I was fairly sick a month ago. Who knows? I never, I, I wasn't, you know, Canada doesn't test anyone. You know, you think the States is bad. Canada doesn't test anyone unless you're on your deathbed. So, um, you know, I, I tried, I called the number to get a test with me, me my, my son, my, but my son was running a 40, 40 degree fever, 40. So that's 104. That's scary. I was, was going to say Fahrenheit, please. What? 104, 104 fever. And the doctor, we took him into the clinic and then, you know, I've talked about this, but I'll just say it again. We took him into the clinic and the doctor had said, you know, if his fever gets worse, take him to emerge because it's really high, but he thought he had tonsillitis. So, but he said, if you are concerned, about, you know, the possibility of COVID. He's like, it's a possibility. It's out there. This was back, you know, a month ago. He's like, here's a number to call to get a test. I called the number. They told me this was right from Ontario Health or whatever. They told me that they don't need to test me because I hadn't traveled to Iran, China, or Italy. They're only right now testing people who have traveled to those three countries. That was three weeks ago, four weeks ago. It's a joke. I mean, how many, how many cases just slipped through your fingers because you, you know you, you, you're, you've decided to test that now they're obviously testing more because we have community spread but i mean we should have been doing that a month and a half ago everywhere we should have been testing everywhere not turning people away they call for a test give them a bloody test so anyways they refused to test us because we hadn't traveled to those to those three countries even though we had traveled we'd even traveled so they all they advised us was to self-quarantine if we're not feeling well and that's it and you know i read uh, an article and this is you know to the canadian listeners in cbc and they, the one, you know, uh, the people were saying, the one doctor was saying that they don't need to test everybody because a lot of people are just going to get better on their own. So we only need to test those that are really sick so we know, you know, to obviously treat them. So really, you know, the U.S. is bad with testing. Canada's been brutal. So Canada's numbers are ridiculously low. And, you know, some of the Canadian media is bragging about that. I'm Canadian. I'm telling you, they're low because they're not testing either. So the countries that are typically low in numbers are what? lacking the testing. So don't kid yourself. It's everywhere. It's in Canada, too, to the Canadian listeners. Um, Spencer, just give your, your theory. Oh, we just took another. Oh, no, we're popping. We're popping. Yeah, we're up a little bit, Joel. Say, we popped 10 points. I'm sorry. Oh, it feels like nothing, but we're up 10 points. Uh, Spencer, give your theory on, uh, you know, on the numbers that are coming out of the White House yesterday. Look, it's not I, just your theory. It's not just your theory. Look, I said it could be higher than that than the range they gave. It could be lower, right? I mean, they, they could be trying to uh, underpromise and overdeliver, or 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 they could be way off. But the range they, the range is pretty wide. Um, but I'm more interested in the fact that they gave a range uh, than than what the range says. But look, it could be higher. It could be lower than that. I I'm, I'm not knows. really convinced. Right? No one. No one. I'm, no not one even knows. they know. Right? And that. Fauci was so hesitant to give numbers for a long time, I think, is because nobody really knows. But now, now we have some sort of guidance we can kind of hang our hats on, at least. Some numbers to watch for. So that's important to me. 820 so, here, about 10 minutes before we're going to go to our guest. Dennis, uh, yeah, I guess keep them going on this. I was going to say bottom line is you're right. Nobody knows where this is going to end up. But the mitigation tactics help. We know that. It's just common sense that mitigation tactics are going to help. So the politicians have a very tough job of trying to balance the economy with balancing, you know, people's lives and, you know, trying to save lives. And I'm going to say it again. I'm fully on board with the mitigation tactics. I think they haven't taken them far enough. 
I mean, I feel like Jim Cramer is speaking my book because he's saying the same stuff. I mean, you see people on the beaches in Florida. It's, it's absolutely crazy. I mean, why? Why? You know, some of the counties have closed the beaches. Other ones haven't. If anybody can confirm, I believe some of the beaches are still open. I have no idea why they've done that, why they haven't, you know, closed that up. But uh, there's people that believe that we should just reopen everything. Uh, I think they're very, very wrong because I think, you know, if you reopen everything, I don't think we're talking about 100 to 200,000 deaths. I think we're talking about millions of deaths because those numbers, the 100 to 200,000 deaths, and this is what somebody's saying to me too, is like, okay, well, flu killed 60,000 people last year. This is going to kill, you know, 200,000 at most. Well, what's so bad? Let's just open up and let's go. The 200,000 number is with mitigation tactics. Without mitigation tactics, you're probably looking at millions of deaths. There's no country that has just opened everything up and let just whatever happens, happens. Nobody has done that. There's a reason they haven't done that because they look what China did, took it to extreme measures, and they were very successful with it, despite we don't know if we can believe the numbers. But if we do believe the numbers or if we at least you know, think that they're getting back, at least to be able to go out again, the recipe was for, for success was shut her down, and restart it. So I'm going to keep preaching that on the show. That's the rest yeah, of the success. Uh, yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm going in. Uh, I'm going into my fourth week here. Um, you know, with uh, with staying in the house and driving me crazy. It sucks. Can't, can't watch TV. No sports. Uh, it sucks. You know, did ride my Peloton again this morning. No, you can watch butt. TV, Joel. There are lots of things to watch besides uh, sports. Uh, right. yeah, well, it, it, it does suck. I mean, this is an inconvenient truth. Think about the Al Gore thing with the whole climate change. I mean, this is, you know, not climate change. This is an inconvenient truth that we actually need to shut stuff down in order to save lives. It's inconvenient. Nobody wants to do that. Nobody. That's why, that's why nothing has been totally shut down in Canada or the U.S. Because the politicians have a very difficult job of balancing the economy with saving lives. And, you know, they're trying to do their best balancing act here. It's difficult. It's a difficult job right now as a politician for anyone, for, you know, for Trudeau, for Trump, for, you know, for everyone right now. It's a very difficult job to do, to balance the saving lives against you know, closing these businesses and killing businesses. But the problem with the markets is we don't know how long this shutdown is going to, to be. I mean, if it's a month, the markets are probably going to bounce back from that. If it's two months, the markets can probably bounce back from that. If it's six months or eight months or 10 months, we, you know, we don't know the length of this here yet. If it's anything more than three or four months, there's going to be a lot of businesses that are in serious trouble. So, so, so that's, like, that's the problem with buying okay. stocks. Yeah. yeah, Joel, go. Can I, I just want to say something positive from like a, like from a gut feeling market perspective. Yeah. We're, cal- we're calming down, okay? I, I don't know what's going to happen today or tomorrow or the next well, day. Well, today we're not. The VIX is up. <laughs> okay, the VIX is up, Dennis. But um, – our going into yesterday, our nine day true average range was 190. Okay. Yesterday, we had an 80 point range, right? For whatever the circumstances are. Right now, we have a little bit less than a 100 point range. Okay. I don't, I'm pretty sure the high of the day is in at 2562. I don't know if the low of the day is in here yet. We got Monday's low, but if we could just hold it together. You know, and, and not have, you know, this is another big day. I thought Monday was a big day. I thought Tuesday was a big day. If we could have a day, well, if we settle here or down a little bit more, but, uh, you know, if we have like an 800 or 200 point range, a crazy range, it ain't going to be the upside. It's going to be the downside. But I think you're immediately going to go back to those lows. You got mid range down there at 2,400. You still got some people that kind of feel like they missed the boat. They're going to be buying in there today. So just from the market, before we can have a meaningful rally, we got to calm down. Yesterday was our first day of calming down. Will it continue? I don't know. But we got to get normalcy back. I don't know when we're going to have normalcy in our lives, but just from a market structure trading perspective, and we'll talk about that with Joe when, uh, uh, when he comes on. And that was the good news for the last six days is that we had started to calm down. We had started to stabilize. We had started to find a home. I think that all went out the window last night. I think it's going to go right back into volatile markets here. I feel like this was the calm before the storm because just think about the law. You know, people don't want to hear this. What they want to hear, and people get pissed off when I talk about this stuff, what everybody wants to hear is that the markets are going to stabilize, the low is in, we're going to go back to our normal lives in a month, and COVID's only going to kill 25,000 people. That's what everybody wants to hear. 
That's not what is going to happen. This is probably, to be honest with you, 100,000 or 200,000 could be a conservative estimate. It could be. I mean, they're just doing the basic math on probably how many cases are out there to what it is. So I know people think that's an aggressive estimate. It all depends on how many cases are out there. But, you know, there's people in the chat saying that it's still busy out there. I mean, I went for a drive on Sunday and took a look. And I went to the grocery store and I did the click and collect because I needed stuff. But I had a mask on. And, you know, I, they put the stuff in the trunk of my car. I had gloves. I did every precaution that I possibly could. But I'll tell you, that grocery store parking lot was absolutely packed, as packed as I've ever seen it. Well, there was people, people I, watched, I watched because I'm sitting in there, you know, in my car for 20 minutes waiting for my groceries to come out so I can just watch people. I'm watching four teenagers on bicycles just biking around. I'm assuming they probably weren't all brothers. So obviously people are just letting their kids go out, you know, on their bikes and just socialize and do their thing. I watched another person. Oh, I haven't seen you for a while. Hi, how you doing? Walk right up to each other, foot away from each other, have a 10-minute conversation. I mean, this is, you know, this is what's in Windsor, Ontario. So there is a lot of people just continuing to go about their business, and they're not scared. New York City, completely different story. Because the epicenter, they're seeing this. They're having friends get sick. They're seeing what's happening there. So I'm sure it's different there. But I'm telling you, in a lot of the country, in Canada, and from what I'm hearing in the U.S., there's a lot of people still going about their business. And as long as that is still happening, spread is still occurring and cases are still going to go up. We went Dennis. to uh, the grocery store that uh, we thought was like rest, less crowded. And, you know, we had our masks on and stuff. I didn't recognize one guy I know really well with his mask. But uh, anybody that, like, you know, was trying to come in with six feet of me, I, I thought Lisa was going to tackle him. And uh, she was just, yeah, I mean, it's just simple things you can do. But we got Joe coming on in three minutes. Yeah. Let's yeah, wait, wait. I, I want to ask Dennis. Am I on mute? No. I want to ask Dennis. Uh, I, I have an idea. I think we should rename the show potentially here. Oh, and that, what do you got? That, that's, my, that's my idea. Pre-market prep for disaster? Prep for disaster. Well, that's what we're doing today. Today's yeah. show is pre-market prep for disaster. Um, you know, maybe we bounce back. I, I, I'm yeah. hoping we get a nice bounce because I want to sell some stocks into it. So I'm hoping for, and here I am, 80% cash. I want to sell more stocks into it. So you can tell how confident that I am. You know, I bought six stocks. You know, I've listed them off in partial positions. I'm up in almost all of them. The only one I'm going to probably hold is Peloton. But I'm almost thinking about starting to lighten all of them up again. Because on a bounce, if we it's hard though. Maybe I shouldn't because 80% cash is just a ridiculous amount of cash. And like I said, my price is 77% cash because I put maybe 2 or 3% to work. So maybe I should just hold on to those stocks because, you know, maybe it is all going to be okay. Maybe we're going to come for the cure tomorrow. Maybe COVID's going to go away and only kill 10,000 people. I mean, it's possible. There's lots of different scenarios. Nobody's been through this before. So all we're doing is scenario analysis. But don't kid yourself. There is a scenario on the table that would take us 50% down from here. There is a scenario that that could happen. And that scenario is that a lot more people die than we think about in this economy's closed for, you know, six months to a year. I think that I think in, those, in that situation, the market stock market falls in half from where Wait, it is. I, I, I have some good, good news to share also. That's uh, just one so, scenario, though. I don't want to say I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying there's a scenario that that can happen. What's your good news? All right, Joel had some good news. I, I have some good news. So on Friday, uh, we got Chinese takeout. And this is my fortune. You ready? Oh, we love fortunes. A confidential tip clues you in to a great financial deal. Huh? There, that's what it says. You, you can read <laughs> confidential tip clues you into a great financial deal. <laughs> ready? What's that tip? Is I don't know. We give on pre market, but, but I'm ready for it. <laughs> I think Dennis gave that uh, at the end of uh, January. Oh, it's too late. <laughs> yeah. oh, the fortune was a month too late, two months too late. Damn. All right. Well, I'm still waiting for my, for my confidential tip, nonetheless. All right. Uh, let's let's bring on our guest here. Sure. Uh, Joe Saluzzi is the uh, partner and co-founder of Themis Trading. He's, a, he's our, our market structure guru here. Joe, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? We're hanging in there, Joe. Hanging yeah, in there. Yeah, same here. Same here. Same here. Are you still so going to the office, Joe, or are you uh, uh, now? We are. We are fortunate in that uh, we have half of an office here. So it's our office is in our own, our own hometown here in Chatham, New Jersey. So we got three guys in, and then we have about three or four working from home just to split it up a little bit. But uh, so far, I mean, you know, from our perspective, we're, we're business as usual here. 
what are you seeing out there, Joe? Like, because where I am, I'm an, I'm obviously Canadian and I've been talking about Windsor, Ontario. And it's a, half the people seem to be going about their normal business, which seems ridiculous. Um, you know, I've seen pictures of the beaches in Florida. Half the beaches are closed. Half of them are packed. Um, and then you see pictures in New York and it looks like a ghost town. What about where you are in New Jersey? Are people, is there still some people going about their business or is everybody no. bunkered down and not doing anything? Yeah, any no, it, it's a, I mean, we're in the suburbs, right? So about almost about an hour west of New York City and it is dead. It's, you know, there's nothing out there. there okay. Nobody's out, nobody's walking. Main Street is no cars. There's as if nobody's here. You know, sometimes obviously during the day, like everybody else see people walking around, but it is really super quiet, and uh, you know, people taking it very, very seriously here. There's no question. And about it's it. because probably yeah. where you are, being so close to New York, that you know, obviously your your you, you know your area is hit harder, and you get different areas where it, it's different from country to country because we keep talking to people in our chat room, and some people are saying. Oh yeah, you know I'm in San Francisco and it's locked down here. You know there's nothing going on. And then other people, you know, are saying, you know, I'm on the beaches in Florida and the beaches are packed. So you know, to talk about, you know, in the in the chat too, guys and 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 ladies, if um, you know, if you if your area is busy or not, because we're trying to get a feel for what the whole country looks like. So Joe's saying in his area that it's it's very quiet, and that's what we need to do. We need to have yep. you know this you know lockdown so we can stop the spread, flatten the curve. Yep. Every morning I pass by the commuter train station. Uh, I drive by at about 7 o'clock, 7.15, and usually when I drive by, it's just packed to the brim. You can't get a parking spot in there. There's one car in there. There's been one car there for the last couple of weeks. So and that's that tells you something. Yeah. That's Everybody, I mean, there are a lot of people. There's a lot of Wall Street folks around here that are working from home. Um, so there is a lot of that, and you can do a lot of this stuff from your house, so, which is good. And I think a lot more people are getting used to doing that stuff. But it, they're certainly taking it seriously. So talk about your clients, Joel, and you don't have to tell anybody specifically. Now, obviously, this market has been, you know, an impressive sell-off in March, a nice bounce towards the end of the month. What is your institutional flow telling you? Are people nervous or are people starting to get more comfortable? Um, it's been busy, I can tell you that. It's been super busy, um, lots of volumes, obviously on the street, you know, literally 16 billion or so average a day compared to 6 billion on before the pandemic started, right? So, and what we've been seeing is, I would say, you know, both sides. I've, we've got buyers coming in, maybe nibbling around existing positions. We've got some that are blowing out losers. We've got your typical, you know, programs coming through, uh, more volume, <clears throat> certainly, but but a lot of certainly not panic. I don't see any panic. I see, which is what I expect. I mean, we work with professional money managers. I wouldn't expect them to be panicking, and they're not. And they're prudent. And if they see, you know, something that they like, they may want to go out and buy a little bit more. But it's you know, it, it's it's trading. So I don't see anything other than higher volumes. But I see normal style of trading at this point. What about the market structure here? Talk about you know what you're seeing. Uh, like if, what I'm seeing from my end, I'm obviously on the prop end of it. Is I've seen actually the everything hold up pretty well. I mean, I haven't seen a lot of like flash crashes, no liquidity. I mean, I feel like the markets have actually functioned. You know, as you know, obviously nobody likes them going down, but I feel like the functioning of the markets has actually held up pretty well. Uh, I would agree on a technical standpoint in the, in, or a mechanical standpoint in that, you know, systems have been robust. We haven't seen any blips. You know, you haven't seen any outages really at the exchanges, uh, which has been great. And even with the NYSE floor closing, which tells you a lot, I mean, it's pretty much business as usual at the, at the NYSE. Um, so in that sense, I think we're doing great. Uh, on the flip side of it, I would say that what we have certainly noticed, and there are numbers out there by a couple of brokers who have been producing some research recently, that the quote size is down. The MBO change, the uh, MBBO changes are certainly dramatically higher. Spreads are much higher. Uh, somebody came out with a detail of three to, uh, large caps went from three to 14 basis points on the average spread. All of that you would kind of expect, certainly in volatile markets, with a VIX sitting at 60, you would expect that. But what that does tell you is that trading costs are higher. There's no question about it that if you're trading a small cap and the spread is 50 cents wide and it's 200 by 200 shares and you're looking to buy 20,000 shares, that's going to cost you money and it's going to be tricky. So that's where 
if and this is where I think it's important for guys like us, we, you know, we understand markets and we understand how how trading works and supply and demand and so on. However, there's a whole legion of folks who think that you can just drop it into an algo and let it go, and the algo is going to cross the spread, purchase stock, and the HFT guys are going to see you do that, and they're just going to drive it up or on the flip side drive it down. So if you don't know how to trade in a market like this, you got to get your ass handed to you. That's just the way it is. But if you do know how to trade and you're patient and you watch it, you know. You know what you're supposed to be doing, and you're watching the tape, and you're using supply and demand. You can do a much better job for your clients, and, and that's what we're seeing here. Joe, you're, you don't have any responsibility for protecting your clients' assets, right? They, they put their own orders in, and you simply execute the orders for them, right? That's correct. We execution only. We have no prop trading at all here. Okay. All right. A um, little off topic here, but uh, I just wanted to get your opinion on the consolidation in the brokerage industry. Uh, right before all this happened, Schwab and TD Ameritrade and then uh, E-Trade and stuff. And you know, I don't know. I just thought it was just absolutely horrible timing. Um, just, you know, give your comment you know, on, on the brokerage firms, how they're holding up and just about – the consolidation and the timing of the consolidation in the brokerage space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, timing is, you know, you want to find the top of the market. I think we can pretty much find where those mergers happened, right? Um, coincidentally, I don't know. But I, I think um, free trades have certainly come into play here. You know, now that, you know, a lot of these guys all went free and they followed that Robin Hood model of, you know, zero-cost commissions, that's, I think, driving more folks retail oriented into the markets which could be a good or a bad thing i mean you're going to get whipsawed in a market like this and you get, if you think all of a sudden you're going to buy that bounce and it's going to be a v-shaped bounce and all of a sudden you get boom you get a morning like this when the you know, sp futures are down 100 it's not easy and just and if all of a sudden you think it's like a uh, you know fan duel account and you're betting on sports and instead you're trading stocks that's not going to work okay that's not what this is about this is not a game and I think that's one of my fears here is that free trading will make this into a game. And you watch how quick you're going to lose that money. It'll, right? So, Dennis, how many times can you make 10 good trades in a row and then all of a sudden one goes haywire and there she goes? And, and if retail doesn't understand that, you know, you could be dragging in some, some you know, I don't know that, that's one thing that certainly concerns me. When it comes to the brokerage firms, you know, they, they obviously saw a cost synergy and somehow they can make some money off of it. They're making more money on payment for order flow now, even with free trades. So the amount of trades, the volume has gone up substantially. Even though they're getting zero, they're selling all of that flow and getting rebates from either market makers or exchanges. So they're, they're doing pretty well here. Joe, I don't, I, this is not, I'm not asking for investment advice here. I'm just asking for like perspectives of people of different ages because we have younger people uh, that listen to the show. We have millennials. We have some people that are, are protecting their long-term portfolios as well. I mean, you, you have a group of investors that are a little bit older. They've been through the internet bubble, that have been the financial crisis, and now, and now this. Um, the motto of the market and the theme of the market is the market always comes back and it has, right? So just mm -hmm. talk about diff, you know, people at different time horizons. Cause for me, I mean, you know, the internet bubble. Yeah. You know, nine 11 kind of coincided with that. I, you know, I didn't kind of have the same feeling that I did financial crisis. I was very underinvested. Didn't bother me as much. This I've, I've been, definitely underinvested again but just like from a time horizon standpoint when you inflict this much technical damage um into the market i mean people just calling for new all-time highs for the end of the year uh what do you say about that perspective uh yeah that's a tough i mean i think what comparing the crisis that i've been through so i've been trading since 93 um you know let's look at just three let's look at 9-11 the financial crisis in this one you know the 9-11 was certainly different Right, that was an event, and, and it, we, the way we rallied around the country, and, we, and I think it was it was brutal, obviously, but we did rally back because people saw the you know it wasn't as open ended as the financial crisis and this one, and I think that's the word to use. This is an open ended crisis where we don't have a result. We cannot model you know earnings. We can't see the end yet. You know, there's no light at the end of the tunnel, which is exactly the way the financial crisis was in that every day we'd walk in and we'd say, okay, which bank's going to fail today? Remember the list of how many bank failures? I was always going around. We're up to 900 bank failures now. We're, you know, we're worried about FDIC insurance. What's going to happen with this? Where is that going to bleed into next? And that's where you are now 
except that instead that was isolated as a Wall Street problem. And most Americans, if you weren't invested, you didn't even feel that. You didn't see it. You're like, okay, those are those Wall Street guys. They're losing money, not realizing that we were potentially on the edge of a Great Depression there. But this one is different in that it's affecting everybody, right? More so Main Street than Wall Street. And it's a you know, it's extremely volatile. And again, we have no visibility into the end. Therefore, you can't model anything. You can't predict earnings. You can't come out with a PE ratio that you think is fair. There's no way to value this thing. So when you put a when people folks put a target at it, I say, how the hell are you coming up with your target? I can't value anything right now until we start to get above the curve, right? And we start to say, okay, where is this thing going to end? You know, what are we looking at in the fall? And then you can start to model. But right now, I don't even see how you can model anything. I, Joe, I agree with you. Joe, uh, I know you, you know you can't model Jack right now, but how do you feel about this market going into today? Like, like, like what is your feeling? Uh, this one was probably expected, and I think, and Dennis, you've been looking. I've seen your tweets as well, and, and I think this one where, you know, we, you know, anybody thought it was going to be a V-shaped bounce was mistaken, obviously. It's not going to be a V-shaped bounce. But this is, you know, coincidentally, right after month end, we're getting a bang in the morning here. Um you know, anticipated. We've got, look at the news yesterday, right? Obviously, a lot more. You know, the the, you know, the warnings were higher from the government. The you know, there's all sorts of negative news coming out. There is some positives. Obviously, the Fed being back there, the potential infrastructure bill that they floated yesterday, more stimulus. That's kind of offsetting some of the downside. But no, I think that this is to be expected. You're going to get these markets suck, right? When you get down, if you, you haven't even opened and you're down a thousand points in the, on the Dow, right, or 100 handles in the S and P tough to trade. So, you know, over the last week, I thought the markets were much more stable, right? They were easier to trade. You kind of feel that you kind of had a better feel for it. And now we're back to that, you know, a week ago kind of mentality. So kind of expected it, but don't like it, of course, but, you know, could, could create some opportunities depending on what you're looking to do. What do you think of the trading halts like that? We've had, you know, obviously the limit up, limit down, but you know, what I've kind of found, you know, weird was the SP futures obviously got the 5% halt um, overnight. And then if we go down more than seven, then they halt the overall market. And it's funny, in some of these instances, we've seen, you know, the stocks trading the pre-market from 4 a.m. right up till 9.30. And then we open at 9.30 and we're below that level and they just halt the whole market for 15 minutes. Um, what are your thoughts here? Is that helpful? You know, these, these halts that we've had, you know, I think we've had three of them so far. Is that helpful uh, or what are your thoughts? That's a good question, and I think they certainly need to be more consistent, you know, in that the futures markets are being regulated by the CFTC, and the obviously equities and options are being regulated by the SEC, and there is that differential between 5 and 7%. So, yeah, remember there was a couple of mornings where we saw the spiders trading at, you know, down 7 8% in the pre-opening, and the futures were halted. So you had that inconsistency, which you really don't want. You want to have it, at least have them, if one halts, they all should halt. And I think yeah. that maybe they'll kind of, after this is said, and we really never, we haven't experienced these types of halts before, right? So I think they'll probably look at that later on after this is all over and say, hey, we should probably come up with some sort of joint plan here between the two regulators and make this thing consistent. When it comes to intraday halts, I think they were meant more for the, you know, when you have that sharp drop out of nowhere, right? You know, God forbid another terrorist attack happens or, or, or something like that, and you drop 7%. That's when you really want that halt because you want to have, say, hey, hold on a second, let's, let's take a break here. You know, the machines are gone haywire. And like I was talking about before, algorithms don't stop, right? Algorithms will look for volume, and a lot of them will be POV or participation of volume algos, and they'll just keep going. And they'll cross the spread, and they'll bang, and they'll, they'll go market, and there she goes, and you got a down 7%er. So in that sense, I think they're good. You know, we're seeing a lot more now. And, yeah, I agree with you. One second after the opening, that was ridiculous, right? It's, it didn't seem to make any sense. I think they will look at these and, and try to make them a little bit more consistent. All right. Joe Saluzzi is a partner and co-founder of Themis Trading. Joe, uh, be safe out there. Thanks for the time. And I guess, and yeah, be safe. That's you got it, guys. Thanks, yeah, Joe. Be careful. All right, All right guys. Always I'll talk great to, you to soon. hear from you, buddy. Right. You too, man. Thanks. All right. Have a good one. All right, uh, 8.44 here. We are about five minutes before our next guest, Dr. Elisa Elkanen. Uh, let's get to some, some names here. just did an update here. Um, just give us the headline. It just broke, just like a minute ago. Business update. I didn't even see it yet. You, uh, it just broke. You got, you got me it's on, on it. It's Oh, there we go. Whoa, okay, there Business we go. Let's go programming. 
Yeah, uh, the first quarter, uh, Kroger expects, blah, 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 first quarter identical sales, excluding uh, fuel and adjusted EPS to be better than the annual growth rate that they pre uh, previously provided in the guidance for the full year. So uh, first quarter sales are going to be better than their previously issued guidance. Got a little pop fuel. there, and then now it's coming back in. So I have bought this in the long-term portfolio, so I do have the stock here right now. Um, bought it because I felt like it got back to a support level where I was comfortable with it. And I also felt like it would hold up better in the event that, um, you know, the market collapsed. So the only reason I did that was a little bit diversification in my portfolio. So the business update was not good. It paused on it. It seemed it, it okay. It was good. But you know what this yeah, market does? It, sells, it rallied <laughs> a little bit up to 30 bucks and then they just sold it right back off. So this market okay. just doesn't. Yeah, so it's still, it, we're, we're three minutes after the headline. So it's still bouncing around here a bit. So we'll have to come back to it maybe after. We're climbing. We are climbing this wall of worry here, Dennis. We are, we are slowly rallying here. I don't know. I think we see mid-range here at 25.15. And you got to think. I hope we do. Because you know what? I'm going to sell you, those stocks that I bought. Because <laughs> okay. you, you, you Maybe not Kroger. What happened when we opened in uh, the 2400 handle on Sunday night? Remember? No, that seems like a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I got this goldfish memory going in the market. So um, you went to twenty four forty five. It was the weekly pivot, and then you ended up uh, adding two hundred points uh, at yesterday's high. So that's just a one scenario analysis. And then another thing here with the market coming in, are they, you know these ranges are coming in, all right? The, you know, the big swingers, you know, the guys that were, you know, programming trades for 50, 60, 70 points in the S&Ps, they're dialing things down now. So they're, they're just, uh, they're just, they're not looking for as big a ranges. So let's say they took, brought this shorted at 2610 yesterday. Well, they're only looking for, you know, instead of looking for 70 points, they might be looking for 40 points. So I think that market dynamic is coming in and also people that are, are targeting buys, uh, you know, maybe, you know, maybe looking here. I think we're going to have a little bit more of a seesaw day than, you know, than going straight down a couple thousand points or rallying up and going green on this session. That's the way it feels right now. Of course, uh, you know, everything can change when the real liquidity comes in here. Okay. I've got to go and hunt my wife down here because my kids are attacking me. So I'm going to be back in two minutes with you. <laughs> this is the, right. I always uh, work from home, so I should be better on this, but a better yeah, system. Yeah, this is normal for you. Yeah. So hey, this Dennis, is, yeah, I, I, should, get, I should have no excuses on this, but I got to go deal with uh, my kid get here. Get back, uh, back in Lisa, two minutes. Lisa's I'm going to be back on. for Lisa. I don't want to miss Lisa, so I'm going to be back okay. in two minutes. All right. Hey, okay. Dennis, Dennis is going to leave and come back. Uh, Joe, uh, Joel, someone in the chat mentioning uh, ticker O, realty income. We haven't looked at this one yet uh, for a while here. And whoa, yeah. what a few days. What a few uh, days. That was part of our, uh, it had the rally, you mean? Yeah. I'm, I mean, since, I mean, like, since for, since Friday, Man, I just don't know what they own. You know, I just don't know yeah, what red yeah. people are paying. I just, I, you know, that's just once. You know, you know what? I, it's just hard to say. I, I, I'd be careful. Um, I mean, alternative, the lower interest rates obviously is good, and people would be investing in these REITs and stuff. But I just don't know what they own and what you know in the retail sector. Um, what did Raz, Raz mentioned? Um, Agri Realty. What what what's the symbol yeah. on that? Oh, what's the symbol on that? Was it? It's some AGR or something. No, here let me find. No. I, I don't. I don't remember the symbol that uh, that Agri Realty. It's a Michigan. It's a Michigan one. Uh, they got some hundred-year leases. They got your WalMarts, your CVSs. You yeah. know, it looks like they're going to be around for a while. So a a a ADC is the ticker on that. ADC uh, and that yeah, got that, uh, hit. See, I, I like yeah. that chart better. You know, look at it busting out over 65. For o, if you feel like you want to own it or you're looking to see if it's going to hold, you hit, what did you hit, 38 bucks? And then you went to 60, 22-point move, 11, you know, 49. It's below that. So, um, all right. So Renee, Renee, Renee in the YouTube chat says that O owns a lot of retail, including Walgreens and CVS. So, um, that, so Joel, why don't you uh, bring on Lisa? 
here okay. in a second, and it, it'll be just me and Lisa. We'll, we'll hang out, and then when Dennis comes back, we'll, he'll he'll join us. But uh, I have some questions for Lisa, so uh, okay. why don't you just just okay. just let her get All on right. here right. in I'm a there. second? Oh, and I'm Dennis back. is back. Look at okay. that musical chairs on, here. So I can see. Musical chairs here on pre market prep for disaster, folks. Uh, we are joined <laughs> now by uh, our second guest of the day, Lisa Elkan. And Lisa, good morning. Hi, Spencer. How's it going? How's it hanging? It's all right. Going. All right. Uh, Lisa, we, we have some, first off, uh, how, how are you holding up here? Thank you for uh, all that you've been doing. I know you've been working like crazy the past few weeks, but uh, how are you holding up? I'm, I mean, it's okay. It's, it's a very difficult time for everybody, especially the yeah. medical community. And yeah. um, it's, it's very sad. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely, definitely uh, share those sentiments here. So, like, what is your feeling right now about where we are in this crisis? About, about like, how far, how far about, like, we how are f- into it? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're just beginning, unfortunately. Um, we, you know, I've been telling Joel, even before the president said it, I mean, we're going to peak in the next few weeks, probably. There's several states in our, you know, country have not, done the social distancing, stay at home. And unless those things are implicated soon, um, it, this virus is rampant. It's out of control. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what, uh, Dennis, go. Sorry. I was just going to, I don't know what you can talk about, but are you seeing, you know, patients that are, are, are you starting to see patients coming in now with, with the COVID? Oh, for months. For oh, months. From, or you're seeing it for, oh, for yeah, a while now. For a long time. And it's definitely getting worse. The problem is, and the biggest problem, is the lack of testing initially, because if we could have identified people who had mild cases, um, then you could actually give them a reason to stay home and quarantine. It's very difficult to tell somebody when their wife is sick that the entire family needs to stay home and the husband doesn't have to work. And, you know, I have a patient now. She's, I'm pretty sure she has it. Do I know for sure? No, because she can't get tested. We don't have enough testing in the United States. But so, so you still can't get the test when you want to get no, the test? No, no, not, not wow. people who are not very high risk. Unless you are really about to be in the hospital or you're a healthcare worker, um, you cannot get tested. And even now, the testing is taking a good week to come back. And by then, most people are better. So it's hard to tell a husband is going to work. He's working in sales and the wife is at home. He's just spreading it. It's because we don't have the testing. We didn't. We, we should have used the World Health Organization testing instead of trying to develop our own. Do you see it getting better? Have you seen like the testing improve? Because, you know, we've got press conferences that are saying everybody can get a test now that needs to get a test. Are you seeing at least improvements? Are we getting to the point where we're going to be able to get tests? I mean, Abbott Labs is coming out with a five and a test. Are we going, are you, are you, do you think you're going to be able to get those tests and actually, you know, get to a point where we can actually test the people who need to be tested? Maybe. I mean, so first of all, they are coming out with a test, but who's going to be using that testing? So I've been, for weeks, I've been complaining that we haven't been able to get personal, you know, protective equipment. I didn't realize that after I'm calling the county, I'm calling the state, I'm calling hospitals, I'm calling our senators, I'm calling our representatives, I was preaching to the choir. Nobody has PPE. So nobody, the only people are going to be able to do testing are people who have PPEs at these testing stations. And if we do get those tests and we can do them in in mass, it's going to be helpful. But unfortunately, we're about four to six weeks behind the ball and we, 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 we kind of dropped the ball on this, unfortunately. It will help, though. Yes, it will help. Uh, Lisa, what can you say with regards to uh, various treatments that have been reported to have worked or helped? Uh, tell us about what, what you've observed that, or what you can actually say that, that, that works to treat this thing. Well, there's nothing proven at this point that works. There are things that are being used on a compassionate basis. What I can tell you is after the president um, tweeted about the Plaquenil and Zithromax, um, the, there was a huge... Um, people were getting prescriptions from their doctors, doctors were giving it to friends. Um, And so then what happened is that the state of Michigan was almost completely out of Plaquenil. Mm. And so um, they, you know, um, Lara and um, Barr, and and there's going to be punitive damages for people who, who did this. So there has been some 
use of it in the hospital, whether it should be used earlier as an outpatient. There's not enough studies to show that, and there has been um, some harm from it. But um, the supplies actually have been um, unfortunately depleted. Now, Plaquenil is also a drug that's used for people who have lupus and rheumatoid arthritis, and that is a maintenance drug for them, and they're having a hard time getting it. And so in terms of the other treatments, they're all under compassionate use or clinical trials. There's nothing proven at this point. What about the combo with the ZPAC? Is that? That's what, uh, the, yes. So that's, yeah, okay. again, a clinical trial. It, and, and so anything that has to be approved, they can push it. But um, right now it's only being used in severe cases, whether it, and maybe it does have benefit earlier on, but um, until it's proven benefit, we cannot prescribe it. And now actually there's a big, like, at the pharmacy, the pharmacist won't even dispense it unless you have um, proven some type of rheumatological condition, but not the ZPAC, but the Plaquenil that needs it. Yeah. So, so the takeaway is just not readily available for most people. Correct. There's right. no treatment except be... for rest, stay at home, stay away. Yep. There's no treatment. Yeah. Lisa, so, so uh, go ahead. Yeah. No, go, go Dennis. I was going to say, talk about the process. So, you know, just somebody comes into your office or I guess, you know, maybe you're, are you, are you still going into that? First of all, do you still have to go into the that, physical that's office my, and, like, my question and was, deal yeah. and deal with, you know, patients coming in that are obviously uh, potentially have COVID. So we about two weeks ago stopped seeing sick patients in our office because we were unable to protect ourselves and other patients, which is very sad to have a doctor who can't see sick patients. Um, because we've actually, I have several patients who were COVID who are in the ICU or in the hospital. They were in the office a few days and I see them. And then I see my 85 year old patient and I could potentially right. give it to everybody. So it was a very dangerous situation. So in the last week, week and a half, we are doing virtual visits. Um, so just actually, um, as of yesterday, Medicare is now also paying for phone visits, which we can do because a lot of elderly people can't get on their smartphones or computers to do a virtual visit. So I'm seeing about 20 to 25 patients a day doing virtual visits. I'm actually doing them in my office. <laughs> I have a desk job now. I huh. sit and I talk to patients on a computer, which I really don't love, but we have to take care of our patients in our, um, in our community. Two, two of my associates are um, actually going into the hospital. One of my partners is starting, um, she's going to be one, she's going to have herself going to be the doctor running a COVID unit um, at one of the local hospitals. And my other partner is waiting to hear from one of the hospitals. And um, he's also going to be helping out inpatient. Um, and then we'll, we'll have to just take care of all the patients in the office. So have you, you've, you've been using like Teladoc or some other remote um, remote medicine service to well so teledoc is its own service so yeah. yeah there's a lot of virtual services we're using um auto health which um actually does talk to our electronic medical record system and we're also using doxy.me doxy me is is very easy to use but um it shows your cell phone number and it's, it's so we, I had to get like a text free. So not everyone's yeah. calling me back, but those are the two systems that we're primarily using. Um, I, I know this may be a hard question, but can you give us like a sliver of like good news or like reason to, to be positive right now? Is there any reason? I mean, <laughs> every, give us something. Every, <laughs> every bad thing has to come to an end, right? I, right. I okay. honestly think yeah. that, yeah, I honestly think that this is going to last a lot longer than people hope or, or want it to. I don't know any pandemic that has lasted, you know, it's usually a year to a year and a half. And I know those that startling, we just really have to take one day at a time. And the most important thing right now is to brace through this period where we're going to see this huge surge. Um, and, and I'm really hoping that our federal government overestimated um, the number of deaths because then it looks like we're, we're doing better, but I'm, I, I would not be surprised if they're accurate. What, what, just, yeah. just one more question. So somebody, and I'm just trying to get, so somebody and you talk to them, you know, over a sick person comes and you talk to them over your media and what do you do? So if you suspect they have COVID, first of all, how do you tell you know that you, you would be suspicious first of all that they have COVID and just you know not a normal cold and then secondly what's the process like where do they go next like you send them for testing and then you don't know if they can get a test or not well, what's the process there so um first of all anybody who's sick at this point if they have a cold a cough anything we assume they have COVID 
Okay. It is rampant. And I think that the numbers in that you get here daily are probably 20 to 50 times lower. You can multiply them by 50 because, you know, for every one person I have that actually was tested, I have 20 or 50 who are not tested. Oh, wow. But basically they don't qualify in the state of Michigan for testing unless they're very sick. So if I suspect it, I have to tell them the person who's sick needs to stay in the room. They need to self quarantine um, for so the CDC guidelines are from the week, minimum of a week and no fever for three days and resolution of symptoms for three days. So basically, if you have a mild case, the minimum a week in self-quarantine, but that means you're in a bedroom all by yourself. People are bringing you food and you're not with the rest of the family. Now, the rest of the family has to stay at home and quarantine for two weeks from the first day of the onset of symptoms. So it's a pretty hard thing to tell people to do. Most people are taking it seriously, but again, you, you, people go for, I have people who went for testing and they're so sick, but they're not sick enough. So they're just sent home. That's scary. I mean, and, and so do you see people coming in that having breathing difficulty as well and then they get sent home? If you really get breathing difficulties, you're not sent home. You're usually okay. admitted at that point. Okay, that's good. Yeah, yeah. So, but not so a severe cough. I mean, a young person who's got a really bad cough, and that's different. So they'll they'll send them home. Okay, Dennis, I think you, I think you just had some. No. Yeah. I, well, I was going to say. Um, so, what would your advice be to let's just say you know, and, and I had a cough three 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 weeks ago. You know, three or four weeks ago, and obviously I'm feeling a lot better here now. Um, should we, you know, be running to some type of virtual doctor the minute we have a cough or is it the fever? Like when, when should we go and seek actual medical advice? Well, a lot of people are very anxious whether they think they have the virus or not. So I think seeking medical advice early so you do the right thing, you would stay home and quarantine and stay away from others. I mean, I think when people have mild symptoms and they're out in the community, they're the ones that are spreading it. But I think at this point right now, I think that if you go out shopping, you go to the store, you assume that every single person you see has coronavirus and you keep a distance from them. And you go to stores at off times and you need to limit the time you go out. Go grocery shopping less, go to the pharmacy less, try to take bulk your visits all together. Yeah, that, that's all, all good advice. Uh, Dr. Lisa O'Connor uh, is Joel's better half. And we thank you so much for joining us, Lisa. Uh, I, I guess just thank you. Get some rest I, as best you can, I guess. But thank you for, I know you're working insane hours and uh, we, you're, we appreciate it. Society appreciates it. Your patients appreciate it, obviously. So thank you. And um Stay safe. I hope we get through that. I stay safe. Yeah, it seems like you're healthy, so that's the best thing, you know. That, we, that's we stay healthy, get, Lisa. We, we need you. We will yeah, get we through need this. Yeah, we need you. <laughs> we need you, Lisa. We need you. Stay healthy. All right. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Lisa. Bye. Thanks, Lisa. All right. That that was really good. Uh, you know, she she didn't say a lot of like positive things, but I still feel better after having spoken to her. You know. Yeah, and I mean, and maybe yeah. we'll bring some more doctors on. You know, the show. This was our, I think this was our first doctor, was it not? Was this uh, our first yeah. Doctor? Uh, I'm official not sure doctor. It, We've had doctors of finance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, medical kind of doctor. doctor. I, I mean, it's Joel it's Joel's it, coming back. Joel's left. He's done with oh, us. My, now, oh, so. there oh no, is, he's there coming is. back in. There he okay. is. Does <laughs> there he shirt is. on. He's did good. That, All right. Did everyone behave? We yes, did. We took it easy. Everybody behaved. No. You know even, what? So even coin collector in everybody was Kelly. nice. Everybody was nice. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there was nice. any negative comments, Joel. And I might be the first guest that never got a negative comment. Everybody, <laughs> because we, usually we, there's we, always a negative comment coming out of that chat from someone. <laughs> we did get it. We did get a few comments that Joel out kicked his coverage. Oh my God! They call it better half. I got a better three quarters. There's the the best yeah. trade of my life. But you know what? It's, <laughs> that was nice. It, it, what's really hard? Everything's a uh, trade to Joel. Yeah. Just, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, she can't trade me now for anything. Um, it's just that, um, you know, for her perspective and the medical, you know, workers perspective, you know, this is like really hard. I mean, you know, this is, you know, it's the heart yeah, of her job was sure. going in and she loves seeing patients and, and doing that. So let's, uh, you know, just follow the simple advice and get through it. And, um, you know, we'll get her back on here uh, next week or so and get an update and, the, the things rapidly change and, and things can always change for the better. So we will see. Uh, I mean, the one, th one big take I took from her too was, you know, she thought it's just starting. 
And I mean, that's, that's, you know, the, the issue here too. A lot of people think, okay, well, we're at, you know, 180,000 cases, we're getting towards the end of this thing. And, you know, from what she's saying, and you know, what, you know, the math is saying, and, you know, obviously, there's a lot more cases out there, and people are still getting sick, and it's still spreading here. So we are still in the early innings of the virus, whether the market's priced it all in or not, nobody knows. But I mean, just be cautious when you're out there on the street. Like she said, you know, assume the other person, you know, any person with a cough, assume they have it or any person, you know, out there, just assume they have it and try to keep your distance. I mean, that's, a, that, that's the only way that, you know, you can avoid, you know, getting sick is by keeping that distance. I think the social distance is so important. Okay, uh, we went a few minutes over. Uh, this market's trying to rally. I don't know if it's going to be able to. I stepped away here. Just let me see what we did on this bump here. Uh, since we made that low, uh, the low of the session, 67 and a quarter, and we really want to see that hold. Monday's low was uh, 44 and a half. We'll keep an eye on that. Uh, we bumped up 24.90. So let's get to 24.90. Mid-range on the sessions, 25.15. Um, and let's see, I just kind of just kind of a creeper rally here. I don't know about in, in uh, uh, balances, Dennis. Was there anything there? They're to the south side. They're yeah. not enormous. It's not like crazy, but they're definitely to the south side. There's some big ones. Don't kid yourself. There's a few big ones out there too. Uh, Boeing has 139,000 shares to sell. Boeing has had a really rough couple of days, even with the market, you know, showing a little bit of light. Boeing's been showing some weakness there. And I think people are starting to get concerned about the potential of, you know, when's the bailout for Boeing coming? You know, what's it going to look like? Is there going to be dilution? Are they going to go for it? I mean, there's a lot of questions to still be answered there. Um, so Boeing is weak here again this morning. It's down another nine bucks or 5.7%, which is almost down twice as much as the market. So it's a, it's a pocket of weakness. It's the same stocks that are really weak here this morning. If I'm just looking overall. Airlines, very weak. Cruise lines, very weak. I mean, but it really it is across the board. Like, you know, we've seen pockets of strength in the last few days and you know and those pockets of strength have been faded i mean even kroger which actually didn't even say anything it actually sounded like it was pretty good you know it started to fade off the highs as well it came back and almost got back to positive and then they start to sell it they're just looking to sell any rally it seems like in anything yeah I, I do want to mention before we go, Benzinga made a cool page. If you go to benzinga.com slash coronavirus, uh, it's a, a new page they made. It's got uh, uh, curated news. It's got trackers. It's got staff. So uh, I, I'm on it. Check it out. Benzinga.com slash coronavirus. It, it's it's a, nice, a nice little home base for uh, market-related coronavirus uh, news. And uh, could you just say a few final things. Uh, two things. One, uh, you know, people are asking about Lisa's market perspective. To to her, the market always comes back. So you know, I don't know when and what and how, but she's you know. Is she staying know, in? She's staying invested. Well, we've we've done some uh, some more. We've always been conservative. We've done some more conservative things, and you know, we're old we're old people. So. Um, you know, we're, we play for the conservative end, but uh, the, the market always comes back. And also, you know, I am pretty good at being a doctor too. Sometimes when her patients call and they talk, sometimes I can diagnose people over the phone as well. So the, Look at Joel does it all. Yeah. It's, so I it's no just idea. not doctor, her being good about two the doctors. market. Two doctors. Don't, don't tell her patients that, but uh, you know, sometimes we're like, hey, just give them the Z pack. Somebody calls. Just give Joel, them the Z pack. Somebody calls. They cough. Jules like, <laughs> we got a COVID one. We got <laughs> one. Here. Just give them the Z pack. I have not. They been cleared able, their throat. No. We got. We got one here, Lisa. <laughs> no, I'm not good. I'm not good on the COVID stuff yet. I have. Uh, I need, to, okay. read, I need okay. to read my uh, magazines a little bit more to diagnose yeah. that. All right. If you missed any part of our show, catch the podcast or the replay. Of it on YouTube. Thanks to our guests, Joe Saluzzi and Lisa Elkanian. Please remember all the information from our show meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice. Everyone have a great rest of your day. Be safe out there. Joel and I will be back with you from 340 until the close. Have a good one. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.